Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. My favorite part about GameTime is how easy it is to check out. You just pick your seats, tap a couple times, and then you have the tickets on your phone. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. And then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, sometimes it seems that football gives us a finish that just had to have been scripted, right? But then you think about it, and anybody writing a script couldn't have scripted it that well. And I think that's exactly what happened today. In Week 17, the 49ers exercised their demons at CenturyLink Field, of all places. They win 26-21 to over the Seattle Seahawks, and... I mean, a number of insane things happened in the final few seconds, the first of which being Dre Greenlaw stopped Jacob Hollister about, eh, I don't know, a fingernail, an inch and a half. I mean, it was a razor-thin margin. That's what we predicted. That's what happened. He stops Jacob Hollister an inch and a half short of the goal line. That preserves the 49ers' win. But, I mean, just the the history of this stadium, of losing in the final second or final se- final minute, I guess, in the NFC Championship game in the end zone, then having Richard Sherman on your team this time and, and, and actually stopping Seattle with Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch being part of a delay of game penalty that botched things for Seattle again at the goal line after the Super Bowl in January 2015. I mean, the, the fact that all of this happened, it was just cataclysmic there. And, you know, you have to look back at the 49ers in their first Super Bowl run. Dan Buns made the, the great stop at the one-yard line. They called it the stop at the time. Well, you can call this the stop, too. And, hey, Dan Buns wore number 57. Dre Greenlaw wore number 57. The 49ers won that Super Bowl game against the Bengals 26-21. to they win today, wow. twenty-six to twenty-one. That's poetry, and and, uh, and I think Marcus Thompson, who I'm looking at right now, is writing about this. But uh, that that Greenlaw uh, stop happened in the same end zone that January of 2014. That's where Navarro Bowman had a had a famous stop and a strip, uh, but also a multi-ligament knee tear. Uh, so I mean, all, all of this is coming together. So many storylines converging. I thought a big one is is that you know it looked like the 49ers were going to route this team in, in the first half. They were more energetic. They were the better team. They, they seemed better rested. Uh, it seemed like this was going to be a blowout. Of course, it never is with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, and they came back, and uh, it looked for all the world as if Wilson was going to pull another rabbit out of his hat at, at game's end, and uh, it, it took just a, I call it a thump. It was a huge hit. Jacob Hollister is 245 pounds. He had momentum. He was going into the end zone. And Drake Greenlaw just 
had the more powerful impact Just on that. Just think of the absurdity. It, it, it this was is nuts. yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and and Craig Greenlaw is a rookie. He's a fifth round pick. He he was at the very bottom of the linebacker heap when this team first started practicing in the spring, and now he's a starter. Took over for Quan Alexander. Just a uh, just a colossal play, and and Dennis. Well, what was it like on your end? What what stood out to you of all the myriad things in this game? When you look at this game, it, it reminded me of the first game, you know, Veterans Day, Monday Night Football. And the first half, the 49ers came out. They were playing fast. They were aggressive. Uh, you know, they, they were kind of pushing the Seahawks around a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you see Russell Wilson be Russell Wilson in the second half. And and he made some. He made a lot of big plays. And and you know we at KMBR we were doing the show at a at a at a bar in in Danville, and it got real quiet the second half. Uh, and then those last couple series, the place was just you know on edge. And and I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, I'm walking around, and I'm thinking he's gonna do it to us again. He's gonna do it to us again. And we were just praying, you know, a stop, a stop, a stop. And it was. There was there was many times when it was third and long and and you know here comes Russell Wilson out the pocket, he throws a pass down the down the field catch first down and that last first down it was just like and then you see Marshawn Lynch coming off the sidelines and you're thinking right. what's gonna happen and and then they get that penalty they go back Marshawn goes on the sidelines uh, and then that happens and it was just it was just an incredible game and and but this speaks to. The entire 49er football season. I mean, I think the last five games have pretty much come down to the last play. And it's just exciting football. And 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 I think the 49ers did exactly what they needed to do. Go up to Seattle, get a win, get a bye, get rest a little bit, and then start playoffs. And now the Super Bowl has to go through uh, Levi Stadium. And, and we're saying that. And we're actually saying that. After the last four or five seasons with the 49ers, you're talking about the Super Bowl going through through Levi Stadium. So it was exciting, and and you know, and and it looks like you know Seattle's going to go up and play um, the Eagles next week, and and there's a good chance that you know you, you'll see <laughs> this game this again. again. You know, it, it's exciting stuff. I mean, if you're a football fan, especially if you're a 49er football fan, I mean, th- this is this is unbelievable, and and, and you said it right. David at the beginning you couldn't script this stuff in Hollywood this is this is incredible fourth round draft pick coming in and making that big hit inches from the goal line and you know the way George Kittle played and you know Jimmy Garoppolo played I mean you couldn't script this stuff it's unbelievable well I mean speaking of the way that Jimmy Garoppolo played he didn't throw an incompletion the entire second half this was a tale of two halves Matt mentioned it earlier the 49ers defense came to play in the first half and I think you know we've been talking about the fact that that unit's not fully healthy they smoked and mirrored their way to a first half shutout Robert Sala was blitzing heavily he was mixing things up they stuffed Marshawn Lynch on a big fourth down right there before halftime they really made a statement that they were able to patch things together and I don't think they looked like the dominant defense that we saw for the first eight weeks, but they produced the same results. They put up a zero in the first half, but but we knew that was going to be fleeting because you can't blitz all game against Russell Wilson. Eventually, he's going to start picking it up. Eventually, you know, things are going to start going his way. They don't really have the pass rush they did the first time they played, and lo and behold, Russell Wilson converted eight straight third downs in that second half. So the 49ers defense was out of gas, but guess what? The Seahawks' defense was out of gas, too. They're beaten up. They didn't have Quandre Diggs, their free safety. 
uh, Jadavian Clowney, I think, was playing hurt in this game. The 49ers' tackles were better, and they actually had George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders this time. And because of that, Jimmy Garoppolo, who played his worst game of the season against the Seahawks in November, only 3.9 yards per an attempt, averaged 13 yards per attempt, highest in the NFL today. He averaged nearly 10 yards an attempt more in round two versus round one against the Seahawks, and it, it's because they had George Kittle. I mean, he just changed the entire dynamic of the game, and Garoppolo didn't throw, as I said, a single incompletion in that second half. He averaged 18 yards every time he dropped back the throw yeah. in the second half. He he completely scorched earth against the Seahawks defense, and that was huge because every single time that that 49ers defense gave up a touchdown and a long drive to Russell Wilson and the place got crazy, Marshawn Lynch even dove in for a touchdown and it shook CenturyLink Field a little bit, Jimmy Garoppolo with ice in his veins came back out there, responded immediately with a quick strike you know it was usually a big play they went down the field in five plays that first time and he restored order and and I think that's what ultimately set the 49ers up to make that stop at the one inch line there toward the end of the game Jimmy Garoppolo had to stand in and do what 49ers quarterbacks of the past couldn't in Seattle and that was respond calmly and deliver when this place was shaking and it looked like everything was working in the Seahawks favor yeah I mean they were they were trading body blows there in the in the second half Marshawn and and Russell Wilson would have a big Big one, and then Jimmy Garoppolo would respond. I'm, I'm just looking off of uh, David's uh, stat sheet here. George Kittle targeted seven times, seven receptions mm-hmm. for 86 yards, a 12.3 average. Debo Samuel targeted five times, five receptions, 102 yards, 20.4 average. And he also had uh, had some yards on the ground as well. Two carries for 33 yards, including that, uh, that spin that move touchdown. Te- yeah, the spin move where he looked like a basketball player. And, and by the way, he did grow up playing basketball in, in South Carolina. Was very good point guard. So you, you saw those skills. But I was very curious to see how they would use Marshawn Lynch. I mean, I was a little bit dubious as to, you know, what kind of shape could the guy be in? Was he just going to be used as a decoy? And uh, they used him more than I thought they would. And every time he went into the game, the, the crowd was looking for it, and it really responded. And David's right. Every time he carried the ball, uh, it would ratchet up a few notches. And when he had that, uh, that touchdown plunge, I felt like that was the loudest the stadium had become. And uh, I, I thought to myself, oh, boy, the 49ers are going to fall into the same pit that they have in their eight previous trips here, that they were gonna gonna fall. But uh, David's right. There was there was an answer this time. It, w- it was Shanahan. It was Garoppolo, and it, it was him having his host of of weapons to throw to in this game that ended up being the difference. And uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. Uh, Levi Stadium has not hosted a playoff game. It's gonna host one in two weeks. I keep hearing that. I keep I keep hearing it on the radio on the way home. I keep telling myself that it's it's incredible. I mean, it's a team that just won four games last year, second pick in the in the draft, and, and and here they are now hosting, you know, with a bye and then hosting a, their first playoff game. It's incredible. And and you know the Mar- Marshawn Lynch. I mean, I I was impressed by him. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't played in a long time, and I think he came in, and I think he did what they expected him to do. I just I just can remember that fourth down or was it third down when when Nick Bosa kind of hit him in the backfield and stopped him from getting that first down. I mean, he showed me a lot. I mean, he's a guy. There was a time there where he got a little rhythm there, and and then you could see he was gassed. He had to, he had to go to the sidelines. But 
I think he did what they expect him to do. He carried the ball 12 times. Uh, he was effective, got a touchdown, jumped over a pile. Uh, and, and I'm glad he didn't make it in on, on that last, that, that uh, on the one-yard line, half-yard line, whatever it was, <laughs> because you know what was coming. So I, I think he did, you know, what he was expected to do. You know, he, he ran the ball. You know, he, he started off slow, but then he got a little rhythm there. I think it was in the second half. So, you know, I, I think he, they'll continue to use him especially next week against uh, Philadelphia in that defense. But, uh, you know, the defense stood up, and, and a lot of guys stood up. I and mean, I think Eric Armstead had a fantastic game. I think Nick Bosa, this kid plays every dang snap, and he hustles every dang snap. And, and you know, and, and, and DeForest Buckner, he had a good game. But the one guy that stands out to me in this football game was Joe Staley. I don't remember hearing Clowney's name not once in this football game. And we know the game that he had – Back uh, the the first meeting and the Monday Night Football that overtime game, you know, Clowney took over the football game, and Joe Staley said he had a bad game. Tonight he stood up as a vet. He neutralized Clowney. I know he, you know, he's he's got the injury and he's had the flu and the core injury and all that stuff, but he played really well tonight. Yeah, well, a quarterback doesn't go eighteen to twenty-two for two hundred eighty-five like Jimmy Garoppolo did without good pass protection. And the 49ers, you know, it was funny. Pete Carroll used, I thought, his most valuable bullet on the very first drive of the game. He brought a cornerback blitz that worked against Jimmy Garoppolo because he, Garoppolo was going to roll out. That was that's what Shanahan was doing early in the game because he knew that there might be some trouble again with the interior pass protection against Jerron Reed and, and and that Seahawks defensive line. So he did a few things to get Garoppolo moving to get the 49ers in rhythm, but Carroll was waiting in the bushes with that corner blitz on the first drive. Knocks Garoppolo down, gets the crowd into it, but the 49ers recovered. They still kicked the field goal there. And I thought that was huge because the rest of the game, the 49ers were then ready for any exotic blitz that Seattle might throw at them. They, they threw that corner blitz really, really early. And, and Garoppolo and the offensive line uh, from that point on, I thought, was in total command of this game. You're exactly right about Joe Staley uh, shutting down Jadavian Clowney. But I think you also have to tip your cap to the, to the interior line. This was yeah. Ben Garland's best game. The penalty, I don't think, was a good call against him. Kyle Shanahan disagreed with it later. With with it later and that was the only um, drive on which the 49ers were stopped in the second half was that was on that penalty the personal foul against Ben Garland they said that he was blocking uh, past the whistle which it's you know it's hard to blame an offensive lineman when he doesn't see what's behind him on the play so I mean this offensive line really showed up for the 49ers and that's huge if you consider what's coming next you cannot win a Super Bowl without good offensive line play, at least passable offensive line play. A quarterback can only do so much to get rid of the ball, especially if the pressure is coming right up the middle. We saw that against Atlanta. That's why the 49ers lost to the Falcons, because Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have any time to throw. The the guards in the center were just getting blown up. Well, today, nobody got blown up. Jimmy Garoppolo was unbelievably clutch because of it. We're seeing when this guy has time to operate, he'll hang in that pocket and he'll make the throws downfield. And for the first time, you know, we talked about Marshawn Lynch creating that upswell, right? Creating that energetic CenturyLink vibe that had derailed the 49ers so many times before. For the, for the first time, the 49ers had the formula to withstand the beast quake, to withstand yeah. that surge. And they got it done today. And I, Matt, I have to toss you a question here. We talk about Marshawn Lynch. Is it possible that 
the return derailed the Seahawks there at the end because the biggest play in this game or the biggest penalty was a delay of game penalty when they're on the one-yard line and they were rushing to bring Marshawn Lynch into the game to prove, I guess, with some kind of statement that he could score there at the end. But because of that, they lost track of the the play clock, right? I I don't know what the exact machinations of that were. I'm going to have to watch it on film. I want to hear what Pete Carroll has to say about it this week after the dust settles a a little bit. But... I mean, inexcusable from Seattle's part and just incredibly, I don't know if ironic is the right word or fitting or tragic for for Seattle's perspective, that a play involving Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch at the goal line of a critical game ended up blowing up in their face again. Yeah, I I read Carroll's comments afterward, and the play that preceded that was a spike by Russell Wilson to to stop the clock. But the play before that was the throw down to the one-yard line. The Seahawks had no running backs in the game on that snap. And so after Russell Wilson spiked the ball, there was confusion. They needed to get a running back into the game. They didn't know which running back. And obviously the one that they wanted to put in was Marshawn Lynch. Uh, but in their effort to do that, uh, they, they, they got confused. And uh, they had to take that five-yard penalty. And I think everybody knows in their heart of hearts that had that ball been on the one-yard line, Marshawn Lynch would have gone in. The crowd would have gotten as, as, as loud as it's ever been in the stadium. People would have been writing about this for years, but it didn't happen that way. And um, weren't a lot of penalties in this game, but there were two huge ones at the end. Garland's penalty. I talked to him afterwards, and you know th- this this crowd noise is is famous for inducing false starts by the offense. Well, this time that crowd noise covered up the whistle, so Garland never heard it. I mean, he he couldn't hear anything. Uh, including the whistles. As David noted, the play was behind him, so he didn't see that Debo Samuel had gotten tackled, and he certainly didn't hear it. And so he just kind of continued with his block. He got penalized for hustling. He was making a nice block downfield. He got penalized for making a really nice field, like 25 yards downfield, too, which is amazing for a center. And um, the thing was is that the the Seahawks defensive back retaliated and, and pushed his head into the ground. And so Garland thought for all the world that the penalty was on the Seahawks, and he was shocked when it uh, was on him. But I don't think anybody begrudged him on, on the 49ers sideline. Uh, I think they all understood that he was hustling and that uh, it was a, a noise-induced play. But those two ended up being massive, massive penalties that, that altered the course of the game. And as a defensive guy... What did you think of that that Dre Greenlaw hit at the end, Dennis? Well, I mean, of course, it was a game winner. A lot of things could have happened there. I mean, it, it was inches. I'm talking inches. And, it, and when I saw it happen, I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. You know, like the uh, the Falcons game, the ball, you know, crossed the plane. But it was it was a good hit. It was a squared up hit. He knocked him straight to the ground, and, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, but again, you know, Russell Wilson, again, almost pulled it out, out another rabbit out his hat. And, and I tell you, I, if I had hair, I would have been pulling my hair out. It was just incredible how, you know, how Russell Wilson can avoid, first of all, avoid pressure and get make plays down the field. And, and you know, again, Dre had that, he had that, that pick against the Seahawks uh, in the first game. And again, he comes up again, like you said, he's, he was a guy that was at the bottom of the depth chart. And, and, and these are things that, you know that you can you can put give yourself a job in the NFL when you make plays like that and and you know he stepped in really well for Quan and you know with this buy you know I think I saw a tape uh, Matt Mayoko kind of showed um, uh, Quan working out 
and and you know maybe get Quan back. But if he's not back, I think Drake Greenlaw has played really well for a guy that just kind of had to step up and learn this defense, learn how to play in the NFL uh, real quickly. And and he showed up today for for sure. And and that's what it's about in the NFL. I mean, you got to show up, you got to make splash plays, you got to make big plays like that. So good for him. Well, you want to hear a cool stat when Quan Alexander first went to. IR, he was second in the league in passer rating allowed as far as linebackers and pass coverage. And, you know, obviously that, that was a big loss for the 49ers. Well, now you go and look at the leaderboard. Number three in the NFL in passer rating allowed out of linebackers and pass coverage is Dre Greenlaw. So he has taken that torch as a rookie, and, and he's, he's done the job. And today he made one of the biggest stops in 49ers history. Yep. I mean, I mean th- that's going to go down there with the Buns play, especially if the 49ers go on to win the Super Bowl. That's going to be way up there. But I think either way that, you know, they finally, in the final game of the decade here at Seattle, they're able to, to reverse a lot of that mojo that had just built up. I mean, Joe Staley, we talk about him. He was crying yeah. as he left the field in this game. In tears. I mean, it, it, this meant a lot. And even if the 49ers don't go all the way this decade or this season, I think symbolically it meant a lot to, to cleanse what happened, especially in this place, this decade, as you turn the page to the next one. And you turn the page behind a young guy like Dre Greenlaw, who, you know, let's go back to that last sequence. Seattle had a fourth down from about the 10-yard line, right? Yeah. And, and I tweeted at the time, you know, the, the best-case scenario for the 49ers is that they stop this fourth down, they get the number one seed. The worst-case scenario would have been Seattle not scoring, but Seattle picking up a first down because the sticks were at like the two or the three and being able to run the clock – and then not giving Jimmy Garoppolo a chance to, to, to rebut because Jimmy Garoppolo, had Seattle scored right away, would have had, what, 45, 46 seconds. Two timeouts, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been the very worst-case scenario. And guess what happens? The very worst-case yeah. scenario. They complete the pass to the one-yard line. The 49ers look like they're in huge, huge trouble. But what ends up happening? The 49ers take the worst-case scenario, and they somehow, some way, find a way to win the football game. It took the delay of game penalty. It took the green law tackle at the one inch line, but they got it done. And I thought that was just so emblematic of this football team this year with so many injuries, so many things not breaking in their direction. I think from the personnel standpoint, I mean, there was a time when they were playing both backup tackles against the defending NFC champions against the Rams early this season. I mean, that was just a theme for the whole year. Somehow, some way, yeah. even though the worst case scenario was thrown at them, the 49ers were able to get it done to close out this regular season. And Drake Greenlaw should have been the hero the last time these teams played. He had a he had a, a clutch interception against Russell Wilson. I think only the second of the year for Wilson. You know, was that in overtime that he had that? I forget when it was, but that should have been uh, the momentum it changer was overtime, and, yeah. uh, and and the play that won them that game, and it, and it didn't. So. Uh, it's uh, poetic justice that he gets it this time. Let's let's uh, look ahead now, guys. The 49ers have a bye week. They haven't had a bye week since week four. <laughs> it's got to be a record for the longest stretch between bye weeks that any team has ever had. So they're going to get rested. And then Dennis alluded to this earlier. They'll play the, the lowest seed, or the highest seed rather, um, the worst team, as it were, coming out of the, uh, the the first round of the playoffs, and, and it very well could be the Seattle Seahawks again. Seattle's going to go to Philadelphia, play the Eagles probably on Sunday. The winner of that game would come and play the 49ers at Levi's unless 
the Vikings beat the Saints in New Orleans, which I think we all agree that that's going to be uh, very hard for Minnesota to come in and do that. So we could be looking at uh, at the same game. The 49ers' last uh, game of the regular season and the first game of the playoffs might be against the same team. I mean, wouldn't that be <laughs> – that's like Hollywood right there. Now, here we go, round three of this battle. I mean, I mean – I. I I, I, I can see I can see that the Seahawks have played well on the road. They really haven't played that well at home. They play really well on the road. And to see Russell Wilson line up again at Levi Stadium in a playoff game, I think it's a matchup that I don't want to see, but I'm sure these guys get super fired up about it because it's a chance to play against the best. But Russell Wilson scares me. I mean he I mean the way he sees the his vision, the way he sees the football field and the way he can kinda elude pass rush and how he can sneak out the pocket it just it just makes it hard to defend this guy I mean you can be disciplined in your rushing and and he can find a way to make that big play in the second half tonight I mean he just took over the football game and and some of those passes were just he's so accurate I mean he can he can throw a long ball he can throw you know a ball with a little bit of touch on it he's just a dangerous quarterback and you know and, and I'm rooting for the Vikings, that's going to be tough. I'm rooting for the for the for the Eagles. It's going to be tough, but I think we're going to see the Seahawks again uh, in about three weeks here. And you know what? Maybe this will sound blasphemous, but I don't think the 49ers should be worried about that at all. I, I, I think I think that based on how they handled the Seahawks today with George Kittle in the lineup, I mean, what was it? They lost by three last time in overtime. But it was even after regulation, and they go today and they win by five or six. I mean, that, that's a let's say, an eight- or nine-point swing just because you have George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders in the lineup, and you do it on the road. So, okay, I get it. Maybe Seattle's been a little bit better on the road this year, but I'm, I'm more afraid of them if I'm the 49ers in CenturyLink Field than on the road. But look at what's going to happen in two weeks. The 49ers now, Debo Samuel was so excited about this. He said, we have fresh legs. You know, We're going to have fresh legs. We're going to be fast in two weeks. The 49ers, remember, they should get D Ford back. They should get Jaquaski Tart back. We may actually see an approximation of the defense that did really well against Russell Wilson in, in, in Week 10. It, 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 I thought that he was so good today, Russell Wilson, but he was keeping Seattle in this game by a thread by his magician's work. I think that if the 49ers play this right over the next bye, they can shut the door on whoever they face in the divisional round because it's going to be on a Saturday. Whoever they play, if it's the Seahawks, if it's the Eagles. Um, no, it can't be the Eagles, right? See, the Seahawks or the Vikings. Or the, uh, can it be or the, the Eagles, Eagles too? Yeah, yeah okay. So whoever they play. The, right, if the Eagles beat the, the Seahawks then, and the Saints beat the Vikings, then it will be the Eagles. Exactly. So I, I just think that we haven't seen the 49ers have a bye since – after week three and the fact that they're able to stagger their way into Seattle and get this done despite Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson stuff should give them a whole lot of confidence for that divisional round because they fought hard to earn this by and I think that that's going to give this team a little bit of a turbo charge here moving forward yeah you're, you're right and uh, whoever comes out of that Seahawks Eagles game is going to be beat up I mean both those teams are already beat up going into it um, but I, I, I have to go, side with Dennis on this. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, if I'm the 49ers, I don't want to face Russell Wilson again this this <laughs> season. Davis and I are, are still at CenturyLink Field, and we're in a room that has a big poster of Richard Sherman making a famous tip at the end of the uh, the championship game that was played here in, in January of 2014. That was round three of 49ers Seahawks that year. 
um, and they had split the games going into it. Uh, so, I mean, anytime the 49ers and the Seahawks get together, it's nip and tuck, and it's close. Yeah, I, I think the 49ers would, would probably, if, if they had their druthers, like to avoid seeing Russell Wilson and Jadavian Clowney and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks again uh, this season. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's it's been some epic, epic matchups between these two football teams, and, and it's always a good game to watch. Uh, and you know, it, it just comes down to you know who plays who who plays the the best football. Who who comes up with the the big plays? And and tonight it was Dre Greenlaw. But you know these two teams. I mean, like I said, I think the rivalry's back. I think it's going to be around for the next couple years. You know, with these two quarterbacks and 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 this these two defenses. I think it's just it's just going to be a good rivalry. I, I liked in this in in the first half. Shanahan seemed like he was being really creative with some of some of his play calling, and I think in the in the second half he got a little more conservative. But he kind of had this 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 defense kind of on its on its heels a little bit, trying to figure out what was going on. The Cal Uschek play was just unbelievable down the sidelines, just getting that that mismatch. And if you remember that first game, Cal wasn't you know he was coming off an injury, he wasn't that full at that point and and you know he just I think that that's something you can exploit with this defense and their linebackers you know Bobby Wagner great linebacker but he's not so great in coverage and and the way you mm-hmm. use Debo I mean Debo is has become one of the best one of the better you know receivers slash running backs in the National Football League and he had a big game so you know these are great games to watch and it's all about you know who's going to make that big play and when, when are you going to make that big play and if you can kind of neutralize a a Russell Wilson and and you know I can remember playing against Brett Favre and you hate to see Brett Favre because you knew he was going to do something he's going to pull something out in the fourth quarter that might beat you or be a big play Jimmy Garoppolo man he was pulling out the big plays today in in response I think that you just looked at the the general flow of this game Seattle was they were able to squirm away, and, and that's what Russell Wilson does. He squirms away from a pass rush that isn't quite complete. He's able to pull the rabbit out of the hat, as one of you two said earlier, and and, and it just it turns into this swell of momentum, and that's how they win these one-score games here. I don't think it's that big of a coincidence. You know, a lot of people say that Seattle's really lucky. Well, the way that Russell Wilson plays, I think, generates a lot of that luck. He makes a lot of that luck. And that that, that upswell needs to be stopped. And when your defense is not equipped personnel-wise, as I think the 49ers defense wasn't quite equipped personnel-wise today to to, to make that stop uh, uh, several times, I think they finally got it at the one-inch line there. But they needed some help from the offense. It was Jimmy Garoppolo who was delivering big play after big play. And I, I just can't emphasize the presence of George Kittle enough, guys. And I think that this is probably a good way to, to wrap this whole regular season saga together. Remember the first time that they played, George Kittle was out. He had the hurt knee and the hurt ankle after that game against Arizona. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't seem to have you know, any safety valve downfield, especially after Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders also got hurt. And uh, the pass protection also wasn't great. It was bad news bears for the 49ers. Today, with Kittle in there, and I talked to Kyle Juszczyk about it after the game, I mean, his ability to, to A, be a dynamic route runner with that speed. I saw one third and five play that turned into a 15-yard gain that probably only should have been a four-yard gain had Kittle had standard tight end speed, but he was able to turn the corner with that four or five speed. So his ability to get open plus his ability to run block 
and, and, and create that threat on the field, just created so much space in this defense. And the 49ers just carved it up. And I think, it, you know, this team goes with George Kittle and, and Exhibit A and Exhibit B were uh, the two Seattle games, one without George Kittle, which they lost, and one with George Kittle, which they won. I mean, George Kittle's a heartbeat. I mean, I think, you know, his energy level, you know, he brings everything to the field. And, and you watch him play, and he, and I and I think in his mind he believes he's the best player on the football field. And he definitely believes no one can tackle him. So, you know, he, he brings that energy, and, and, and he keeps the guys hyped up. He keeps that offense moving down the field, and he always seems to make the catch. And, and he, you know, he's got great ball security. You don't see George Kittle fumble the ball or give up the ball. So, you know, he's proven himself. I think he's, you know, back-to-back, 1,000-yard uh, seasons, and, you know, he is the heartbeat of this team. Very, very true. Wow. And and he was the guy there in the locker room that uh, was wearing the feels great baby shirt, I think. Quote, quoted Jimmy G on his shirt. He was he was wearing one of the shirts the 49ers had, the other shirts that said that the NFC West is not enough. They definitely want to take this a little bit further, if not a lot further. Their next chance will be in the divisional round after the bye. They win the NFC West. They attain the number one seed. They finish the regular season 13-3 and with an epic 26-21 win over Seattle, which will be talked about for a long time. And we're definitely going to talk about it some more later this week. It is late here, though, in Seattle, so we've got to wrap this one up. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, David Lombardi, and this has been the Here's the Catch podcast. We'll talk to you guys during the postseason later this week.